Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, we look back at the Paul Maurice era in Winnipeg and break down the first two games of the Dave Lowry era. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rowicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Well, what a few days, what a weekend it's been since our last episode. I mean, just an all-time stunner on Friday morning. I I thought there was a number of ways things could go with the Jets' head coaching job, but I I don't know if anyone foresaw Paul Maurice stepping down. And then his explanation for why he resigned, putting an end to a nearly decade-long run as the Winnipeg Jets' head coach. And that's where we got to start with the episode. So before we look back at the highs and the lows of Paul Maurice's tenure with the Winnipeg Jets, we got to start with the press conference Friday morning. And I want to put this up front first. And it's not really breaking too much ground, but whether or not you were a backer of Maurice till the end, or somebody that wanted change over the past few seasons now, how can you not be incredibly impressed with just the class, the grace, the professionalism, that the former coach showed in his final presser with the team. I mean, he's just been a tremendous ambassador for the organization and for the city of Winnipeg across the NHL right since he took the job from day one over eight years ago. And on top of that, too, if you were ever fortunate enough to meet Paul Maurice in person, I'll echo what everybody else has said about the guy, but just a top-notch, damn good person. And a treat to talk hockey with as well. Just simply from the human side of things, Paul Maurice is a really, really good dude. A really good guy. There's just no doubt about that. But if you listen to the last episode that we did, which dropped and then became extremely irrelevant really quickly, just a couple of hours before the news came out, you know that I thought it was time for the Jets to go in a different direction and have a new voice behind the bench. I mentioned that, you know what, it's it's probably time for the Winnipeg Jets, if they want to take that next step, to move on from Paul Maurice. I just didn't expect Paul Maurice to say that himself. (laughs) And I'm still shocked, to be honest, that we got such a frank and honest assessment of where the team was at, according to Paul Maurice. But I think it's true. I mean, the same issues were plaguing this team year after year, despite an influx of talent, despite new faces, despite a renewed sense of urgency. 
And, well, we all know how that ends in, in pro sports. You can't change 10 players overnight, but you can change the person delivering the message, and, and that's ultimately what the Winnipeg Jets did here. So I think this can all be summed up with Paul Maurice is a hell of a guy, a good coach, but it was just time for a change. Like, that's it. And ultimately, I believe this puts the Jets in the best position moving forward this year to try to make a playoff run this season. And on top of it, too, you get a better sense of the group that you have on the ice. Like, Kevin Chevalayoff can now look at the players, and I'm sure there's a handful of guys that the, the entire management team is interested in seeing how they respond here. But you can start to get some firm answers as to what the future of your organization is going to look like. Does this player fit with what we're trying to do moving forward? Is he going to give an increased effort now that there's a new coach behind the bench? There's a ton of importance on the player side of things here that now Kevin Shovelayoff can look at his team and go, you know what, these are the changes we have to make moving forward. This guy is going to be a piece of it. This player, though, maybe that's somebody we look to move on from in the offseason. All those things are, are really, really important for the Winnipeg Jets. And ultimately, like I mentioned, I believe this does put the club in the best position moving forward to make a playoff run for this upcoming season. Now, I, I do want to say this as well about Paul Maurice, because I feel like it's been really glossed over. And maybe some revisionist history and, and different things like that when it comes to looking back at the job that Paul Maurice did here in Winnipeg, again, for just about 10 years. But Paul Maurice is a good coach. I know things fizzled out here near the end, and, and people always point to the all-time loss record and, and different things like that. But, I mean, there's also the fact that, A, he has, I think, the sixth most coaching wins in NHL history to go along with the most losses. But he did do a lot of good during his tenure here, and it may have fizzled out in the end. But I think it's easy to forget what this team looked like and what Paul Maurice was handed when he first took the gig here in Winnipeg. I mean, he took a team... And a certain group of players, in particular, and help mold them into a powerhouse across the NHL. Hey, a briefer, a briefer one that Winnipeg would have liked, but still a powerhouse nonetheless. And he was definitely helped by some savvy moves from Chevy and, and some good luck. The emergence of Connor Hellebuck. But, I mean, look at some of the transformations individually that took place with Paul Maurice at the helm. I mean, none bigger than the one with Dustin Bufflin. And I was always a, a Buff fan, even in the early Claude Noel days, even in the first few seasons of Winnipeg, when there was so much fervor and fever around the play of Dustin Bufflin and whether or not he was a defenseman or a forward or a rover. I, hey, I, I, I did sports radio in the city, in, in case you forgot, for a long time. And that was basically our lives in the early days of the station. The early days of the Winnipeg Jets 2.0 was just Bufflin, is he a forward or a defenseman? I always thought he was a net positive player in the sense that, you know what, he would give you, and this is kind of just a rudimentary way of looking at it, but Buff would give you three goals a game, take away two goals a game. In the end, it might be messy, but he's still a net positive number one on the night. You know what I mean? And that, that's kind of how I viewed Dustin Bufflin. He was, still, he was still an asset for the team, but it wasn't anywhere near as impactful as he could have been. But then Paul Maurice stepped in, and it wasn't immediate, let's be fair, because Buff did play a little while longer at forward and it took some injuries before the Jets ultimately made the change. But you, you just can't ignore it. There, there was no way Buff 
would have been the player that he was if Paul Maurice wasn't the head coach of the team. And we saw a completely different Dustin Bufflin, a guy that, for my money, in a two, three-year stretch, was one of the most impactful players in the NHL. That there would there would not have been 10 players at any position that I would have taken over Dustin Bufflin if I had a chance to go deep and win the Stanley Cup. I, I just think he was that good. And Paul Maurice played a huge role in, you know, not reining him in, but I think instilling a more well-rounded mindset into Dustin Bufflin's game. That, you know what, if the offense is there, go out and take it. But take care of business first in our end of the ice before you start to go into the happy zone. And Dustin Bufflin completely took that to heart. I mean, he took it to heart to the point where, in Toby Enstrom's final season, Buff and Enstrom were the stingiest defense pair in the entire National Hockey League. I mean, you just, you never would have expected that from Dustin Bufflin in years one, two, and three with the Winnipeg Jets. Yet, Paul Maurice was able to tap into the big guy and to get him play at a level that, you know, stops in Chicago and under Claude Dewell couldn't get him to. I mean, that, that in my opinion, was Paul Maurice's Mona Lisa, his masterpiece with the Winnipeg Jets. But you also have Blake Wheeler, right? Going from, you know, a 30-30 guy who was inconsistent night in, night out to... One of the premier players in the entire league, the captain of the, of, of the team, the face of the franchise. I mean, Paul Maurice had a huge role. And I, I can't wait to hear Blake Wheeler speak. I mean, he hasn't spoken yet, right? But when he does meet with the media for the first time, just listen to what he has to say about the job that Paul Maurice did for his career. I mean, you have a number of first-round picks. Shifley, Ehlers, Connor, Morrissey, a, a few others as well. But all of those grew under the tutelage of Paul Maurice. And then, of course, you have the 2018 run to the Western Finals. I mean, that team was so, so damn good. And a couple of bounces here or there, a little bit more puck luck against Vegas. And honestly, we could be talking this day about a cup-winning team. And Paul Maurice played a big role in the 2018 run and a huge role in all of those players that I mentioned as well. And hey, it wasn't always pretty or positive with the team. Uh, there, there's no doubt about that. There were lows as well. You had the butting of heads with, you know, a number of young guys. I mean, Ehlers in that group we mentioned there, you know, hey, a lot of people, myself included, would have loved to have seen Nick Ehlers get more ice time. I mean, Liney and Roslovic are no longer here because in part they butted heads with Paul Maurice. I mean, the penalty kill was a disaster for a lot of the time here. And there were a few other things that were on the negative side along the way as well. But again, I'll just re-emphasize this point. Paul Maurice was a good coach for the Jets. There was more good than negative. And I think that despite the rocky times these last few years, he should be remembered as such. And I wouldn't mind sometime down the road seeing Paul Maurice take a job with the organization in a higher capacity, you know, some other kind of role, because he was a huge part, a huge piece of the fabric of the Winnipeg sports scene, and as I mentioned before, a great ambassador for the team, but more importantly, a great ambassador for the city, helping to put Winnipeg as a legit location on the NHL map, and on top of that all, just an all-around really, really good guy. So all the best to Paul Maurice, and, and whatever is you know in store for him in the future here. I, I will say this too, you know, on a personal level, because we've all, I think a lot of people here in Winnipeg feel like they know Paul Maurice. It feels like, you know, on a personal level, but 
just listening to him talk about, you know, the burnout, you know, working through the pandemic, empty arenas, things like that. I, I think just from a human perspective, I think Balmaris could really use the time off. You know, refresh, recharge the batteries. It's a grind as a coach in the NHL or working at any, you know, coaching managerial position in the NHL. And I think, you know, maybe, I don't know if it's going to be a year, but you might get back into it sooner than that. But just take it a few months at the very least to, to relax and spend time with his family. I think that'll do him a world of good. He deserves it. And it'll be very interesting to see when Paul Maurice and where Paul Maurice pops back up in the NHL scene because I don't think his journey is done quite yet. But it's the end of an era, no doubt. It's the end of an era when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets. And that also means that it's, you know, the time for a new one to kick off. We'll see how long this new era might be. It might only be a couple of months. But Dave Lowry becomes the, I guess, unofficial third head coach in Winnipeg Jets 2.0 history. And he's already got two games under his belt. And we'll get to those, we'll get to what Dave Lowry has in store, what the team might look like, what needs to be changed, all that coming up in the second half of the episode in just a sec. But before we do that, let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, and they've got a no-brainer offer for you guys that'll make you a winner. And it's really simple, anyone can do it. New customers, this is all you have to do. Bet $1, just one, on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. That's it. And the NHL got rid of ties in 05, so someone, someone has to light the lamp eventually. It, it sounds like a guaranteed chance at winning. If Sportsbook is not available in your state or province just yet, no worries as well. Anybody, anywhere can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So the Paul Maurice era comes to an end, and the Dave Lowry one began just a couple hours after the previous one ended. I mean, that that was, it really was a, one of the crazier days in Jets history where you get the stunner in the morning like that, and Dave Lowry finds out that he's got to coach a team and he's got to get wins and points right off the bat in a really tough spot against a really good Capitals team on Friday and then the game against St. Louis on Sunday. I mean, it's it's tough as a coach to, to make an immediate impact like that, I guess, unless your name's Bruce Boudreaux. But it's tough to me really instill any significant changes. I mean, the Friday game, you have literally no time because everybody's getting ready for the game later on in the day. But even for the game against the Blues, I mean, one practice isn't going to be anywhere near enough, you know, when it comes to the penalty kill, five on five, like any sort of actual systemic changes, you know, it, it's probably going to take, I don't know, a couple of weeks, maybe a month before you see anything noticeable with 
major differences as to how the Winnipeg Jets play. But you got some glimpses into what Dave Lowry is looking for, what he wants the Winnipeg Jets to accomplish when he's behind the bench. And my main takeaway from that was just speed. Sounds like Dave Lowry wants the Jets to play play faster, play with a ton of speed, and be difficult to play against. I'll say this, I'm not picking on Dave Lowry here, but just once, I would like to hear a new coach say, you know what, we want to actually slow down the pace that we have. We, we're Everyone's going too fast. We want to, uh, let's pull the reins back a little bit. We'll slow it down, and that's going to be our, our best chance at victory. Uh, but I digress. I mean, yes, obviously the Jets need to play a little bit faster. And, and when coaches and, and players say that, they don't even necessarily mean just skating faster. It, it's more so, I think... It's kind of code for we need to play better as a five-man unit, right? Because the fastest teams aren't the ones that are, you know, physically the fastest. They're the ones that move the puck up the ice most efficiently. They're the ones that get the puck back when they lose it. And and I think a big part of that, too, is, you know, there's not a whole lot of space between the five guys on the ice. Whether that's in the defensive zone, in the middle of the ice, or even in the offensive zone as well. When you're moving the puck efficiently, that's the fastest a hockey team can be. And so that's going to be the big goal, I think, from Dave Lowry, whenever the Jets get back on the ice here, is to move the puck, to to, to skate up the ice, to play hockey in all three zones as a tight, cohesive five-man unit. And to be totally fair, we saw that a decent amount in both games. I mean, even going back to the Friday one against Washington, when you have no time, to really instill any changes. I thought the Jets looked faster. Maybe that's just the, you know, initial bump, the initial kind of jolt to your system when your head coach resigns and you have a new voice behind the bench. Maybe that was it more so than anything Dave Lowry himself did. But I thought the Jets looked, you know, much more inspired and a faster, more difficult team to play against when they face Washington than they have in a number of weeks. I know the, the score line suggests otherwise, but I mean, Vanacek made a ton of great saves, a ton of highlight reel stops against the Jets, and they were really fortunate not to put, you know, probably two or three more goals past them, and then it becomes a different hockey game, but I, I thought the Jets were extremely competitive against the Capitals, but you just ran into a hot goalie. Those losses are easier to stomach when you're, you know, you've won five of your past six, but unfortunately for the Jets, it was another in a long line of losses recently, so it, it stung a little bit more. But it was really good to see in that game against the Blues on Sunday, the Jets take it to another level. Now, maybe it was a line in particular that took it to another level. But, you know, all in all, I thought the Jets played a couple of really solid games over the weekend. And we're unfortunate to only have two out of the four points. I think you could make the case, probably should have taken the Caps to OT. You get three out of four, and it's not a bad weekend. But... You know what? Beggars can't be choosers right now if you're the Jets. And at the very least, they're still in the playoff race, right? Like five points back. Yes, they don't have games in hand or anything like that. But the hole they've dug themselves is something that you can climb out of at the very least. And and it was really, really important to at least get one of the two games this past weekend. And hey, to do it against the divisional rival team, that's, that's the game you need to win if you're the Jets. So good job from kind of a macro perspective of the team starting to maybe slowly put the pieces back together and get back to that winning formula that they had earlier this season. Now, two big positives to me came out of that weekend. The first is, and we'll see if this was just a blip or maybe a trend of things to come, but the penalty kill was perfect since Palmer stepped down. 
0 for 2 for the Capitals on Friday, 0 for 3 against the Blues on Sunday. So, you know, again, it, it's tough to really tell if there's any changes that have been made. Maybe they were a touch more aggressive, but you know what? I, I didn't really notice. Nothing jumped off to me, at least, in terms of how the Jets played differently when it came to the penalty kill. But a good sign nonetheless. They're going to have the same personnel. That's not going to change anytime soon. So they need to be a little bit more aggressive. They need to maybe change the way that they attack the puck carriers. Little things like that. But that's going to take some time. We'll keep an eye on that as we move forward, though, to see if, you know, maybe the biggest weakness this team has is going to be something that can at the very least be around league average. That would be a big, big step up for the Winnipeg Jets. So that was one big positive. But the other one came in that game against the Blues. And that was really the first breakout game, the emergence of maybe, you know, this this constant battle for who the number one line is in Winnipeg. Right now, it's tilting a little bit towards Nikolai Ehlers, Mark Shifley, and Paul Stasny. That line responsible for all four goals the Winnipeg Jets scored against the St. Louis Blues. And I'll tell you what, Dubois has been the better setter all season long. But in that game, Mark Shifley earned, he, he earned his ice time. Ended up playing two more minutes than PLD in that one. But he, hey, if you're going to play like that as a line, yeah, you're, you're going to get the most minutes. I mean, it was just really, really enjoyable to watch those three together in that game. And there's a ton of potential for that to be a really, really good line moving forward as well. I think Ehlers is a great fit beside Mark Shifley. He doesn't carry the same, you know, defensive inefficiencies that Kyle Connor does. And I've always thought that there's something there. You know, they just never really got extended playing time together. That opportunity is going to come in the, you know, in the weeks and the months ahead with Blake Wheeler out indefinitely. Really intrigued to see where those two ultimately take their game, especially Mark Shifley, since he's been the number one topic outside of Paul Maurice the majority of the season here for the Winnipeg Jets. But I mean, hey. Defensive game is still going to leave a lot up for debate and, and room for, for growth and, you know, concern on top of it, too. I thought Mark Shifley was terrible on the second goal that the Capitals scored on Friday night. But give him credit. He played great against St. Louis. It was maybe the best game Mark Shifley's played all season. So hopefully that's a building block to bigger and better things for 55. And interestingly, you know, I thought Andrew Kopp would continue to get that shot beside Ehlers and Shifley, but Paul Stasny fit in, and, you know, no surprise for me, at least, that the old man finds a way to fit in seamlessly. And it sounds like they've got some great chemistry on and off the ice. I mean, if you heard the the post-game presser between Ehlers and Stasny talking about Stasny's 500th assist, he wanted Nicky to be the guy that scored the goal, that, that got him that big milestone. They had a, a good banter back and forth. They seem to, you know, genuinely like each other, which could go a long way when you're playing on a line together. But I, I just, I love, you know, Stasny clearly doesn't have the legs that he used to, but the hockey mind, the IQ is, is still high end. And when you have guys like Ehlers and Shifley, that know how to get to the right spots offensively at the perfect time, he might end up being the perfect trigger man for Shifley and Ehlers. And it's great, too, because I think both of those guys need to shoot the puck more. And, and so when you have somebody like Paul Stasny who is, you know, selfless and always looking to make the right pass first, uh, you know what, maybe the Jets find something here. I, I, I'm intrigued. I wouldn't mind seeing Cop get a chance back at some point in the future, but I do understand the, the reasoning and the, and the thinking behind it. You know, you drop Andrew Kopp down to beef up that third line a little bit more, right? Like, I mean, we all, I think, would agree that Kopp is the more impactful player than Paul Stasny right now. But 
you can probably afford to have a, a quote-unquote passenger when you have guys like Shifley and Ehlers on the same line. Andrew Cobb can probably instill a bit more into that third line than Paul Stasny can right now. So if you're not losing that much with a top line, you make your third line better in the process. I can at least understand that line of thinking. I don't have a major problem with it. Now, the one thing that I was really, really curious to see with Dave Lowry's first game behind the bench is the time on ice. That, that's always the biggest indicator of potential change for a team when a new coach steps in. Because fans may not like it, but the guys that play the most are generally the players that the coaches trust the most. And so I was just intrigued, you know, when we talk about Shifley getting, you know, close to 25 minutes some nights, Dubois needing to play more, what the third and fourth line get in terms of time on ice. I was really, really intrigued to see how that potentially change with Lowry as opposed to Maurice behind the bench. And looking at it so far, a lot of similarities to the way the time on ice looked under Paul Maurice. The big change, though, and interestingly enough, came with Dave Lowry's son. Adam Lowry, we saw a pretty significant bump up when it came to time on ice. I mean, a huge jump in the Capitals game. Lowry played just under 19 minutes 16 of those coming even strength. I mean, a different matchup. We saw the ice time change a little bit more to what we're used to with Adam Lowry getting 16.52 in the game against St. Louis. But interesting split between those two teams just because the Capitals, with them being shorthanded in the game against the Jets, really only had one big line that you needed to worry about, and that was Alex Ovechkin's line. And when a team has a lineup in that scenario, I wonder if we do see Adam Lowry bump up that ice time, become, you know, a true heavy matchup line, and maybe play close to 20 minutes a night. I saw someone had a really, really funny tweet. It didn't quite go this far, but I saw somebody, I'm sorry I forget the username, but mentioned that Dave Lowry should just go full-on crazy hockey dad and play Adam Lowry 30 minutes. He didn't go quite that far, but... I'm not going to be shocked if we see Adam Lowry routinely hit in that 16 to 18 minute range. And that's going to really put another dent into the fourth line's time on ice. And we saw that in the game against Washington. Harkins, 629. Veselainen, 7 minutes. Kind of continued in, in, in the game against St. Louis as well, where you have CJC's playing 4 minutes. Kirby Reich, Christian Reichel playing 427. You know what? I, I don't think, for, for those that were hoping for a more balanced approach when it came to all four lines, I don't think we're going to see that under Adam Lowry, under Dave. I, I swear I won't do that. Dave Lowry's the coach, Adam's the player. But I, I don't think we're going to see a full four-line balance under Dave Lowry, to be honest. I think we'll see that top nine play a ton, and the fourth line is going to get some scraps here and there, and it's going to be a real tough battle for them to stay in the game and make an impact with the limited time on ice that they do have. So the bottom six is, is maybe where we see the most change moving forward. When it comes to the top six, though, things really did kind of stay the same as they have all year. You know, it wasn't a huge split, but Mark Scheifele did get about two minutes more than Pierre-Luc Dubois in both of those games. I think very clearly deserved against St. Louis, but just interesting that, you know, even with the new man behind the bench, Looks like they still view Mark Scheifele as this team's true, true number one centerman. So we'll keep an eye on that as we move forward here. If Dubois and Scheifele are, you know, 
basically the same or if Shifley gets just the slightest edge over Pierre-Luc Dubois. But when it comes to the guys that are going to get the most minutes each and every night, it's going to be the usual suspects, I think. We're going to see Andrew Kopp pretty much lead this team in time on ice, if, if you could believe that, you know, playing power play and penalty kill minutes to go along with his shutdown role. But we'll see Kopp, we'll see Shifley, and we'll see Cal Connor get the most minutes on this team. PLD, well, that remains to be seen if he, you know, eats into Mark Shifley's minutes at all. But as of right now, it looks like 55 maybe has moved himself back into the quote-unquote number one center spot on this team. Normally, we'd say we find out on Tuesday in a huge matchup for the Jets against another Central Division rival in the Nashville Predators and then a game Thursday against Dallas, but uh, that's not the case anymore. It was official late Thursday or late Monday night that the NHL is going to pause the entire schedule until shortly after the Christmas break. So we don't really know when the Jets are going to play again, to be honest. We don't know if, you know, the NHL is going to allow cross-border travel, which, you know, for the Jets, obviously, is a major, major hindrance to their potential schedule. So I don't know if we're going to be talking Winnipeg Jets game time hockey anymore. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, but I, I can tell you this, we're coming back at it on Friday, regardless of what happens with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, and that's when we'll get back to it. We're going to call it quits on the episode today, but we're back at it, like I mentioned, Friday morning. What we're going to talk about, I mean, that remains to be seen. It's kind of a, an evolving, not even day-by-day day thing anymore, but an hour-by-hour hour situation with COVID, with the NHL. So we'll get into the latest, maybe have an official announcement on the NHL and the Olympics. We kind of know, unfortunately, where that one's trending to. So we'll get into all that, all the latest news when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets and the NHL, we'll get into on Friday's episode. But until then, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Verwicki. That's it for Tuesday. We're back at it on Friday. Stay safe until then, everybody. Peace.